Welcome to the Madness Continues, everybody. Uh, I just wanted to say something really quick before this starts. I wanted to thank everybody for listening. And the listenership has been growing a lot lately, which has been amazing. And I've always been blessed with having listeners who are outside of the United States, as well as inside of the United States. Bunch in Chicago, obviously, New York. Uh, also, Michigan. Shout out to Ypsilanti. I think I got a couple of listeners out there. Uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Um, Kingston, Jamaica. Uh, Denmark, Copenhagen, and the Russian Federation. I know, Vlad, you're an active listener. I wanted to tell you guys something just real quick before we get into this episode with my friend Lance Richardson, a.k.a. Lancey, a.k.a. Lancey Joe. Uh, this past weekend, my grandfather passed away. He was a wonderful man. He uh, had a, a profound career in advertising in the 60s and was a, a big influence on me and really the whole family. He was a very humble man. He was very courageous and he never bragged about himself. He was pretty well off. I, I don't really know how well off, but he belonged to a country club and always was very giving to others and really had a great regard for people who were in many different parts of life. I mean, m many people he knew were not as well off as he was, even though he really was self-made. He had worked his entire life uh, very hard to earn what he had. And he was an inspiration. I just want to tell you guys, you got a limited time on this planet. And I'm glad that you can spend some of it with me. I'm glad that we can spend some of it together. And I'm, I'm, I'm really flattered that you've taken the time to listen to this podcast. I want to encourage you to hug your loved ones and take some time for yourself. And remember that we only got so much time. And I'm glad to spend it with the people I have on this podcast. And I'm glad that you spend it with me. So, without further ado, here is my interview with Lance Richardson, a.k.a. Lancey Joe, a.k.a. Lancey, a.k.a. the 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 crippler from Memphis. I don't know what I'm saying. All right, here it is. Thanks so much, everybody. See you later. Check, 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 check. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. You can pull it back. If you want to sit back, you can go ahead and, and do this. People on this... Uh, the two things tend to happen on this podcast a lot when people come in here to the to the studio. Yeah. Uh, the first is that they they'll sit way high up with the mic like way over <laughs> in one side. Yeah. And they'll just kind of the whole time just sit forward. <laughs> or the second is that they'll do this to start, and then as they keep talking, they'll just sit further away from the microphone. Right. And I have to do this to like tell them to come back to the microphone or. The other thing that tends to happen is that they they just don't want to put the headphones on, and they're like, do I really need to have these? And I'm like, you, yeah, you should. You should hear what you sound like. Yeah. Because I don't know why anybody wouldn't do that. I know. I, I love – I wish I could have this all, all the, the time. time. Yeah. The Joe Rogan said it like this. Uh, he was like the uh, – he's like, I like this because I like the intimacy of it. It feels like you have, you're having – I'm hearing what you're hearing, and you're hearing what I'm hearing. Yeah. And I think there's something about that that feels really like, oh, we're just really locked into this conversation. Yeah. And I mean, like, especially, I wish I had, like, a real-ass studio I could do this in. This office is okay, but there's just a lot of distractions, you know? Right. Well, <laughs> I think there'll be distractions in a studio, too. Probably maybe. just like I this. I don't know, maybe. I mean, every studio I've been in has been pretty, you get in, it's mostly, like, just black with that, like, styrofoam shit on the walls. Mm -hmm. And then it, it just, it feels like you're maybe going to get murdered. Egg crates on the walls. and Yeah. <laughs> Egg crates or the, yeah, that like weird styrofoam stuff or like they'll put, 
Uh, and then everything is like dark in color when you go in. Then there's like one weird double pane, triple thick glass on one side, and you look through and you see like a, a dude who's. <laughs> it's like that scene from Independence Day when they're in the spaceship. Yeah. And there's those two aliens who are like looking at them. And it's like the same. Every time I've been in a studio, it's yeah. like there's a guy right over there and he's looking through a little window at me. Like that guy, a- yeah. He's still working on Guns N' Roses' album. <laughs> Lancey Joe, welcome to the Madness Continues podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, you're welcome, man. It was nice to see you the other day. I've, uh, it's funny because for a long time, you were kind of like gone, I think. Yeah, I, I, uh, I left uh, Chicago for, for a few months, although I wasn't gone for a very long time straight. Yeah. I would come back. You were gone for a long time gay. Right. <laughs> yes. Um, what a stupid joke that you, I just You can't made. make that joke. It's 2016. You can't make that joke. <laughs> it's 2016. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I... I, well, it's funny because you you were gone for like a little while, and then I have been gone a bunch over the last like year and some change. Yeah, and so it's funny because I just we've been running into each other a lot, just walking around. But I remember after you were gone for a while, I was walking around, I just saw you on the street, and I was like, "Holy shit! Mm-hmm. Like, what? You're back in Chicago? What?" And you were like, "I never left." That, that was <laughs> yeah, Shakers, right by Shakers, right? Yeah, it was right by Shakers, yeah. and that blew my mind. I was like, "You didn't leave? Like, where? What have I been doing?" <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a strange, like I was, like in a suddenly in a like a that flip and uh, what what is it movement in the fucking in Fight Club where he suddenly like we've lost cabin pressure. Like I was like, what if I what like what what was because I saw you like nonstop for the better part of like a year yeah. and some and some change. I even saw you in uh, Edinburgh. That's right. That's but, right. Jesus. Yeah, you came out to Edinburgh. That what a whirlwind. I lost my mind. When that was going on, you guys came out towards the end of that time. I think we did the very last show with you. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I was, I had gone crazy by that point, and I think I was not. Everything was. I couldn't. I was having a lot of trouble keeping everything straight. You were very disheveled when I saw. (laughs) Sounds about right. (laughs) Your pants pockets were out, and (laughs) I thought somebody had punched through the top of my hat. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I had a stick with all my. Keepsakes and a yeah. nap, knapsack at yeah. the end. <laughs> I was really vagabonding around <laughs> around Edinburgh at the time. We were like, "Do you know where Brendan Lemon is?" And you were like, "I am Brendan Lemon." <laughs> Let me tell you a tale, young man. <laughs> I was him once. Why, of course, I know him. He's me. <laughs> I don't seem to remember owning a droid. Um, <laughs> That's a deep cut. That's a Star Wars reference for all you <laughs> non-nerds out there. Uh, yeah, that's right. You guys came out. It was you and Aaron and Nick and uh, and and Bowman and Bowman. Oh, that's right. We went to that one. We went to that one bar around the corner from. That bar was so great. That was it was underground. Yeah, it was fuck. Everything in Scotland is underground. Everything in Edinburgh is underground, kind of. Yeah, but like that place was. I remember we went out. That was a blast. That was down on Cowgate. That was like so. So the listener should know. So, you know, in 2017, everybody listening to this is aware that I did comedy in Edinburgh in 2017 because I talk about it ad nauseum. But, <laughs> um, but you know, we ran the Chicago Comedy Showcase, and you guys were some of the comedians that came out. 
was the uh, the tub, the comedy tub crew. The tub crew, yeah. And uh, that was awesome. A- Aaron's parents came to support him. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. Yeah. My parents, <laughs> zero, I can't even get them to come out to a show in Detroit, right. like let alone, you know, any other, <laughs> on another fucking continent. I don't know if my parents would come or not because I don't tell them that I'm doing, they, <laughs> they still don't know. It's been... <laughs> It's been eight years. That <laughs> Still in the comedy closet with yeah. them? I just, my, I, I don't think I'd want, my, I don't even know if I want my parents to come to a show, if I'm totally honest. I think yeah. that they, actually, that's not true. My dad came to a show in Detroit the last time I was doing comedy at Ridley's in uh, Comedy Castle, Royal Oak, which was in July of, of 2019. He came out to that show with a bunch of his friends. And I even then I remember thinking, this is awkward. Yeah. Like... <laughs> My mom came out once, and and she, she was making friends with the comedians and stuff. Which was <laughs> what? what? What are your parents like? Um, my dad is. Uh, my dad's got a great sense of humor, but um, one of those classic New York Jews. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know the type. <laughs> <laughs> um. So my dad, uh, he's got a, he's got a great sense of humor, but he. I don't think that he could sit. I'm not worried about my routine. I'm worried about the other, other comedians. comedians' routines. Yeah. Would he just not? Would he? Is it patience, or does he just hate the subject matter? I think he would hate the subject matter. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, like, I think one of the liberating things about comedy is the fact that nothing is sacred. Oh yeah, uh, and so. it doesn't. Not only is nothing sacred, but nothing you say really matters. Yes, like, exactly. It's it's, it's it, people don't. Uh, I mean, look, if you're sitting at an open mic and 18 different comics have gone <laughs> up and said, like, women, then it's like, by by comedian number 18, you're like, this is stupid, yeah. and I don't want to hear this anymore. Right. But, I mean, like, people who go to routine, like, people in comedy who do comedy and live in comedy don't ever feel offended at, right. like, if you go up. Somebody last night got up and said something really pretty heinous about women. I mean, at an open mic, no surprise. I remember, yeah, last night had a few. Yeah, for for the listeners, <laughs> we, were, we were at ran a, into a mic last night. We were at a Harrigan's. It uh, <laughs> Harrigan's. <laughs> let me just digress for a second for the non-Chicago listener, of which there are a few of you. Harrigan's is an open mic at uh, Diversity and Halstead on Tuesday nights. Sign up at eight. Get on at eight thirty. Run by a a guy who I think the bartender I think owns the pub. He's an Irish guy named Tony. Uh, what Staunton? I Staunton. Think. That's right, Tony Staunton, and uh, and then also created by Alex. Uh, what's his name? Alex Joyce. Uh, Joyce, who's also Irish, and but he, I mean he was born here, but his family is from Ireland. His cousin was visiting from Cork, and I just say that to say it's like a dyed in the wool Irish fucking bar with an Irish guy running a an open mic and it is the least funny open mic. <laughs> <laughs> it is so bad. I, and I, I really like it. I have to admit, I really enjoy going. I've never had a good set there. I've really? never had a good time. I've never had a good set. Yeah. I like, it's just a constant, like it, when I like the image in my mind, when Hillary Clinton said basket of deplorables was everybody <laughs> sitting around at Harrigan's, <laughs> Irish pub at that open mic. I was there when she said that, <laughs> and they were upset. All the <laughs> people were pissed there. <laughs> they were watching it live on a <laughs> tablet behind yeah. the bar. Yes, very odd tech. <laughs> it was a. Uh, 
it's it's such a fun mic to do um, for none of the reasons that people think anything would be fun. And it, 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 it anyway, it's just a like it's where comedy goes to die in a lot of ways, strangely. Right. And as a comedian, I think that what you get used to is going out to open mics and having like like the thing that becomes boring to you as an open mic comic or as somebody who's living in comedy is that at a certain point, things that are normal in terms of their like normalcy, like I would could go to a normal mic, that becomes boring. Right. Where you're like, now I just want to feel something. Like I want to. <laughs> I don't care if it's good. If it's good, I'll, I'll go to a, a mic where right. people tell horrible, say horrible things, and like that's why like Joe Rogan has talked a couple of times about having um when he's has a comedian guest on, he's he has to remind the listeners that he's like when two comedians get together, they tend to just try to say shit to shock one another. Right. And like that's it's not a normal conversation that normal people have. No. And I think that that's part of the the whole brotherhood of, yeah. of comedy yeah, is that you're like, Oh, finally somebody who's, who's down to clown basically. Yeah. You know, I didn't make that, I didn't make that statement up, but <laughs> I mean, because everybody in the world, you know, there's, you know, you might have somebody at work you like and you're like, Oh, you know, they're cool at work, but when it comes down to it, they're not going to be, they're not going to, be like, oh, he was just joking, and then you're you're free from everything. Oh yeah, no way, right? No way. They you, you just can't. I I this is, finally had to quit my last job because oh, really? uh, yeah, the one working at um at the the day job at uh, that I've referred to a whole bunch of different times in this podcast. Hopefully, I've never said it by name, <laughs> so people can unless people can put two because I won't say it now because because of what I'm about to say. But I um. It's a similar kind of thing. Like you just you can't. Like you were saying, it's liberating to be at an open mic because, or in just in comedy in general, because you yeah. can kind of say whatever you want. And what's what's weird is that that you just as a comedian, you you so want that that it almost becomes difficult to operate in the normal world because you're like I gotta censor myself all the fucking time, right? Walking around doing different things, and it's and it's strange because the listener might say something, might think something like. Somebody who's not in comedy might just think something like, well, what are you trying to say? Like, what do you – it sounds like you're trying to say something horrible that – on purpose to, like, hurt, you know, hurt people's feelings or, or, or say mean things. It's not like I'm trying to be like, I, have, I should have the right to say the N-word. That's, like, not what we're talking about. Right. What I mean is, like – Well, I was trying to get at that. <laughs> <laughs> I had a fucking – I almost had a meltdown with Chris Tranny here because I was talking about this one bit I did once where I said the N-word on stage – and I think I was around during that era <laughs> of, of your experimentation. <laughs> yeah, I've, we've known each other for a while. You, um, I, I know I'm totally off to rails in terms of where this was going, but uh, I no, remember. Let's, let's let it rip. Let's my first memory, off. my first memory of you, in which I remembered who you were after this point, was we were in underground lounge, um, you know, fucking four years ago, maybe now, and it must have been. It was 2015. Bowman's Mike. Yeah, it was Bowman's old mic that yeah. he ran with that other dude who's who now no longer does comedy as far as I know. Yeah, he was really funny too. Yeah, he's a really funny dude. And um he used to get high and drunk at that mic and if you came in early, he was fine. But if you came in <laughs> 10 comedians in, 12 comedians in, you were it was up in the air as to whether or not you were even going to get on. Right. Because like <laughs> 
that dude, he would be three sheets to the wind real quick <laughs> and get up and do like 20 minutes of material in between comics. And and you're watching him going, he has no idea how long he's been on stage. Right. Like, anyway, you got up on stage and you had a FedEx vest on. I remember you had a T-shirt <laughs> and a FedEx <laughs> fucking delivery vest. And you kept talking about how you weren't gay. <laughs> and then you were like tell some story some like side story about something in which there was like some like vague like wait a minute what like you're like yeah yeah, i was in a bathroom and had a conversation a whole conversation we were in there for 20 minutes (laughs) i was like you want to go get a milkshake and then we went out and got one anyway i don't think i'm gay or anything and it just kept going and it went on for the whole four minutes you're on stage and people were losing it. They thought it was so funny. That bit, I think that was, I don't do that bit anymore, um, but it was the first one I really felt like worked Yeah. in Chicago. Yeah. Were you doing comedy before you got here? Yeah, in Memphis, and or the Memphis area. Uh, I started in a casino in Tunica, Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which... Is is a great origin story. Oh my God, Lancey. Okay, so how did you decide to even get into doing comedy then? Um, did they have an open mic, or was this like a show that you somehow got involved with? It was an open mic. Yeah. Oh my God, man. <laughs> so people who gamble a lot know of Tunica, Mississippi, and it used to be a bigger deal than what it is now. I think more states have like legalized yeah. gambling and whatnot, so it it's easier to find a uh, a place to gamble. But back in you know back in the late 2000s early 90s uh that whole decade there it was like people were like i'm going to vegas <laughs> and if i can't afford that i'm gonna go yeah, to Tunica, Tunica. Mississippi. that's so yeah. funny um so uh I, I i used to run a karaoke i would host a karaoke show yeah and i would dj on the weekends like wedding receptions and whatnot yeah um and i loved being on the mic and being <laughs> like hey i want to you know I just like making people laugh. I, sure. And but would you be the guy to give the announcements and you'd be like, put your hands together for the newly married couple? Like yep. all that, like. Yep. And that. Yep. Okay, got it. So I was like. Because I got, I was at a wedding, just to say this real quick for the listener. Yeah, I was at a ahead. wedding in Hawaii where, uh, not related to the, I just was, this is Gloria's cousins who got married. And the per, the DJ was like, hey, somebody said you're a comic. Do you want to do the intros for everybody? And I was like, yeah, like give me the power to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I could see how you could get. You'd be like, "Wow, oh, this is fun." Yeah, like, it's great. Yeah, to have all the attention. Um, and um, first of all, I want to say, Gloria's cousins got married. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not to one another. I should say <laughs> they got married. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, so. You can't let that one go without saying something. <laughs> That's about, too funny. Um, I was like, "Is Gloria from my neck of the woods, <laughs> Wisconsin?" So, <laughs> yeah, the Mississippi of the actually, North. I went up to Wisconsin for the first time ever, and it's more redneck than Mississippi. Oh, buddy, it I call, gets crazy. I called Michigan the Louisiana of the North. It's that's a great, <laughs> it's great saying. It's ju- it's. I mean, they're both French influenced, water surrounded peninsulas. Yeah. And they just, it's very similar. Like, <laughs> you go you go up into northern Michigan and or up into the Upper Peninsula, it's like being, it's like being in rural Louisiana. I mean, right. it's exact, exactly as swampy most mm-hmm. places you go. There's nothing around for miles. Yeah. 
And like people, it's a very similar kind of thing. People are ignorant, you know. It's why if you hear Kid Rock, you're like, this has got some Cajun influence. You know what's <laughs> fucked up? I and this is how I know I'm from Michigan. I like Kid Rock. I don't give a shit what people say. Yeah, it's, we uh, were trying different things. We were smoking funny things. Hang <laughs> a love by the lake to our favorite song. Sipping whiskey out the bottle, not thinking about tomorrow. That's fucking amazing. And the music. Summers in northern Michigan. That's exactly what a summer in northern Michigan is like. <laughs> he nailed it. I just remember thinking, like, this reminds me of going to, like, Black Lake. I know a lot of people don't like him, but. Houghton Lake, Higgins Lake. You go to a lot of lakes in Michigan. <laughs> Smoke funny things. Is that the land of 10,000 lakes or is that Minnesota? That's Minnesota. Minnesota, okay. They can have them. I don't give a shit about those lakes. Yeah. I'm talking about the Great Lakes. Is there actually 10,000 or do you know? I think they just ran out of count. They just didn't want to count anymore. It's like the ancient Hebrews with big numbers. Did you guys? Did you know this? Uh-uh. The ancient Hebrews didn't couldn't really count. They didn't really have a number system that made sense. So yeah. they just used to like make up big numbers just to sound like it. Like forty was it the forty appears in the Old Testament a lot because forty just means a lot in the ancient. Oh really? Yeah, forty days and forty nights. That just means like he was out there a bunch. Like really? <laughs> yeah. That's informative. That's why there's all these old guys in the Old Testament who are like, he lived to 2,162 years. You're like, yeah, it just means like, that's like their equivalent of saying like, he lived a gajillion. <laughs> that's funny. He was a bajillion years old. <laughs> he was a lot. He I'm was so sorry. Lot. So you were, you're, you're, you're out there, you're spinning up on the ones and twos, you're hosting karaoke's. Mm-hmm. And then so they, I saw that they were having an open mic at that casino. Which was a like a fifteen twenty minute drive from where I lived, yeah, South Haven, Mississippi, which is a suburb of Memphis. Okay, got it. Just across the river? Uh, no, it's a, it's on the same side of the river, but um, it's like Arkansas is on the other side. Oh, my bad. Okay, so it's not really familiar with that geography. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you look at your Lancey's face was like, how do I address this in a way that doesn't make Brendan look like a fucking idiot on his well, own podcast. I think that uh, I think I was confused because I've never ran across a topic that you didn't at least know something about. <laughs> You're the most well no knowledge person <laughs> that I know in the comedy scene or just in general. Hey, I think. Mine's like a steel trap, man. Too bad it hasn't led to financial or comedic success. But what can you do? Yeah, as you're sitting in your high rise here. <laughs> I'm sitting here with my my robot servants. <laughs> uh, I don't remember owning a droid. <laughs> I, don't, I don't seem to recall ever owning a droid. Uh, so okay, so you go into you did the open mic, but what was the first? What what was that like then? The I have this saying, and it's based on my experience. The first time that you do comedy or you do a joke in general. Uh, so you could be doing uh, comedy for as long as I've been doing it, which is eight years. Yeah. So the first time you do a joke or the first time you get on stage in general, it could be good or it could be bad. Yeah. But the second time is always going to be horrible. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, that's that's so true. No matter what. Yeah. Because if you did well with it, you're thinking, "Oh, I've got the, I've got the potion. Yeah, I know, I, I know got the what, juice. Yep, this this one's got legs, you know. Yeah. Um, 
And but even course, if it goes poorly the first time, you think, well, that didn't go well, but I'll work on it. Right, exactly. And the next time you get up, you're like, all right, I got this. And yeah. then it just doesn't go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it, it's just a huge mind game. And I think <clears throat> when you're early on in your career, everything's so much more important, you mm-hmm. know? Because mm-hmm. when, you've, when you've done like thousands of open mics where you get no response from your yeah, peers. You don't even care anymore. <laughs> yeah. But early you're like, this is my second one. Yeah. You're, you're way too sensitive. <laughs> half of, I've bombed half of my sets. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, w- I think I would rather talk to a normal person than a new comedian. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's well, not true. I, I actually, <laughs> I missed new comedians have one thing. And I think we were all in this point. I mean, you started comedy like when you were like six months old, right? Yeah, man. I was when I was a little kid. I remember telling people I wanted to be a stand-up. Com- I had two uncles who were stand-up comics. Oh, okay. So it was like, yeah. I, I, but I remember I was on a TV show when I was five. My uncle had a TV show on local Detroit public access, and I was the youngest stand-up comic. I was like five years old being on the really? show. Really? Yeah. And uh, so I've been doing comedy for twenty-eight years, and. Yeah. <laughs> But you started for real, like when you were like sixteen. Sixteen, yeah. yeah. At at Ridley's and Royal Oak. I just talked to Ridley. I had him on just released that podcast yesterday. Okay. Did y'all talk about that first time you went up? Yeah. Well, he. I. That was the problem. Is I was funny. Like I had two stand up comedy uncles, and one of them worked really close with me. Yeah. Um, to help develop a lot of my material. Yeah. And I had been doing improv for three years, so I was used to being on stage. And I was used to having good stage instincts. Yeah. And so I got up and I crushed with this material. Yeah. And then you're like, however, it always goes bad the second time. It didn't go bad for me the second time. I did like five months of like the same routine with only minute changes to the seven minute routine and crushed like all summer long for my first time. And then the, and then I bombed once and I bombed so hard. It literally took me like six months to get back on stage. Like Mm. it was such a painful Cause I was like, I'm just on fire all the time. And then yep. I just, nope, did not. <laughs> what was, what was the situation when you bombed so hard? I was on a first date. And, uh, <laughs> there was a chick who I really <laughs> you liked. You going to break every rule. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Talk now, about Icarus over here. I know. Now that Megan saying the N word makes sense now, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally makes sense. I'm surprised you didn't break this out earlier. We had a, do you remember we had a thing in the stand-up comedy scene for a while in probably, this is when we were all like single in 2015, uh, into the fall, into the fall winter of 2015, we all had this thing where we, uh, we were talking about how if you could bring a first date to an open mic and get her to sit through 15 comics, or it was like, (laughs) However, it was like a bet which was like who could bring a date for a first date to an open mic and how many comedians could you get her to sit through? <laughs> <laughs> I remember talk of this. <laughs> and it was the goal was if you could get her to sit through 15. Right. And I don't think anybody ever got any uh, First of all, I don't think anybody ever brought a fucking date. No to one a, had a date in all of 2015. <laughs> And then I don't think you could get her to sit through this poor these poor women in Chicago who have all these had all these open mic incels who <laughs> 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 were just walking around <laughs> come on to this open mic and sit through even more incels. Oh my gosh. Incels. Okay, so you're doing let's go back cuz I'm I actually it's funny cuz we've been friends for a long time. I actually don't know much about what brought you to Chicago. Okay, so my best friend, his sister was uh 
she was an aspiring actress back in 2000 and 2001-ish. Yeah. Uh, so uh, she moved up here uh, with a couple of her friends from Memphis. Uh-huh. And uh, so I knew her from my best friend, you know. Uh, so a few years later, I guess about uh, several years after that, um, but you were doing comedy for a few years in, in Memphis then. Right. Yeah. And I, I didn't know where that was. I didn't have any like grand plans or anything. I was just, what was that scene? What's that scene like? I've never been to Memphis. Uh, I, I think a few years ago it wasn't as good as it is now. Yeah. I think it's growing. I think all scenes are yeah, growing. Yeah, all right scenes now. seem to yeah. be kind of headed in the. Yeah, I checked comedy on the Dow Jones Industrial. It's it's way up again. <laughs> I mean, criticize Trump all you want, but the uh, open mic scene is booming. 300%. <laughs> yeah. That's right. 300% increase. Um, Those comedy pension funds are really paying off. Yeah. Yeah, especially for the top one percent of the comedians. I'm always I'm always making the mistake of shorting comedy. <laughs> I'm always taking out these puts on right. comedy. Well, you remember the open mic scene crash in twenty eight? It was <laughs> it was bad. Chance. Yeah, People it happened having... right before the stock market crash in twenty nine. <laughs> yeah, that's how I knew it was coming. Yeah, that's the, it caused over speculation. <laughs> All these comics had to get real jobs. They fucking ruined the economy. <laughs> They're like, PBR takes another hit today. <laughs> and you know there's that saying, as PBR goes, so goes the nation. Yeah, yep. That's where that came from. Uh, uh, so, oh, uh, Memphis is seen, um, and I was still DJing, like, uh, probably five, six nights a week at this time. Wow. So I would take off Tuesdays, which was actually... DJing, that, like, at clubs and stuff? Well, I was I was doing the... Um, Wedding stuff. Well, like, karaoke during the week. I Got would, it. I would do, like, a little karaoke show. But a lot of those karaoke shows would turn into just a dance party towards the end. Got it. Because everybody had had a few drinks. They're yeah. like... yeah. Yeah, let's let's do this. I'm not gonna know? I'm not gonna play Journey again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we don't wanna hear this person sing whatever. You know, we wanna um we wanna actually party now. So um uh so I was DJing, you know, five, six nights a week on the weekends, wedding and all that stuff, you know. Yep. Um so after a few a few weeks in a row I would take off that Tuesday, which was a really good day, believe it or not, for uh, my I had a really good karaoke show on Tuesdays, and I would like I would try to get over there and do that mic, but it's it's kind of you know it's like fifteen twenty minutes away, and then t- after the mic, and then try to come back, and yep. it's just a hard thing to do. So um, I, w- I eventually was like, you know, I'm gonna have to like, I mean, I'm gonna have to, I think I'm gonna have to take a step, and that's where my sister or my friend's sister came in. Yep. She lived in Chicago, and we had visited her a couple of times, you know. And uh, I called her up, and I was like, uh, I'm thinking of moving to Chicago, you know. And she was like, yeah, she's she is a, a great person. Like, if there's people out there listening right now, like, what you do matters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, she was like, yeah, come, come, you can stay with us, yeah. you know. And I'll show you around. And I was like, I'll give you money. It's not about that. It's just about sure. I, I don't know anybody in yeah. in Chicago, New York, L.A. or anything like that. And if I'm going to move to do comedy, I want to go to a, like a bigger place. Yep. 
and, a primary um, market. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So she was the only person I knew. So I came up here and stayed with her for 10 days in, I think it was 2013. And um, it was, when was that? Were you in Chicago during the, like the polar vortex that was the real. 13 to 14. I think that was. Yeah, that was the hardest. I was just talking with people about this because this winter right now, this is how it felt in November. Okay. That year. Yeah. I was not in Chicago. I was in Detroit at that time. Okay. I uh but I was coming back and forth from Chicago a lot because Dave Metz uh yeah. you know, lived here. Rest in peace. Um or whatever the hell you're doing over there, Dave. And <laughs> and uh he was living here at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was back and forth from I had just gotten back from France, uh, due to this my cousin ended up passing away tragically and had to come back from France. I was doing all summer long, I was doing comedy in Europe. And then right. I came over here and uh, was living was living basically with my parents in 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 Michigan in Detroit uh, because it just the family didn't want everybody wanted to be close together. And uh, but I was coming out here a lot to do comedy with Dave. And so we would hit a ton of different. Yeah. We do Coles a lot when I came out. Right. Um, which was weird because I don't do Coles at all now. Me neither. Um, it's just not economical as far as the time time. Yeah. Know? Yeah, and I mean it's really sceny. I think there's great people who go. I probably should do it more, but like, uh, yeah, I used to do Coles a lot with Dave, and I hit pretty much every, all the Blue Line stuff that Dave used to do. Wish you yeah. were beer was going on then still, mm-hmm. and um, Mary Runkle was producing that I think at the time, which is weird because I haven't talked to Mary in a long time. But like, yeah, there was a whole bunch of people back then who were doing a lot of stuff. Dave Marr, um, you know. Anyway, yeah, I was back and forth a lot. So it was during that. That 10 days contained the polar vortex, whatever yeah. it was. So it was really, but I didn't hate it. You know, I, I like the, I mean, being from the South, we never had winter like, really cold weather. So the day I landed in Chicago, I looked it up. It was colder than the coldest day ever recorded in Memphis. Oh my God. So I was like, well, we're going to, we're going to find out now. It was like negative 10. Yeah. Negative th- 20, like the whole week. Yeah. It was, it was intense. So... Um, so I stayed with her for 10 days and then I went back and I think I DJed for, for maybe a year longer. And then I was like, cause I think you have to kind of like absorb that and think about it. And then you're like, Oh, what am I doing with my life? Am I, I'm not really following yeah. what I want to do. Yeah. And then you kind of have this, uh, this like, y- you're just fighting your ego and yep. whatever, uh, doubts. Right. All kinds of other shit. How do I think about myself? Because there's a part of me, you and I are pretty similar in this regard where, because that happened to me both with Chicago and it happened to me with uh, New York Mm -hmm. and his kind of still happened to me with New York. Yeah, me too. In, same kind of thing. Like I came out here a lot with Dave in 2012 to 20, in 2013. I came Mm -hmm. out here for a whole, before I moved to France, I came out here and saw him a bunch. And then uh, after I moved back from France, I would come out here and see him a bunch, but it took me another year to to actually move out here full time. Right, and the same thing is true with you know with New York, which is in 2017 is when I started going. So it's been two years. I've been going out there a lot, and which is why I haven't been as as around since I got done with Edinburgh. And like to be perfectly honest, as shitty as this kind of sounds, and I I'm sure people in Chicago comedy, this is probably why I don't get booked in Chicago <laughs> <laughs> anymore. Is saying things like this, but when I got back from Edinburgh and I got back to Chicago, I was like. Nothing. I was like, this doesn't matter. 
Like none of this shit matters. Like, and not in a shitty way. Like, it, it, in a lot of ways, it's liberating. Like, mm-hmm. it's you can do whatever you want. You can say whatever you want. Right. You can create your own things and your own shows. And like, that's all of that was very exciting to me when I first moved out here. Right. But it's a similar kind of thing where like I got back from Edinburgh and thought the things that I thought were great before I went to Edinburgh and before I went to New York. It's not that they're not great, but it's almost like by comparison, they just seemed like I don't know why I would continue to put. Like, time into this right. thing. Yeah. And that kind of had to happen before I moved out to Chicago. It sounds like that was a similar thing, in a way, for you in Memphis. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, so when once I went back to Memphis, yeah, I was like, well, yeah, this isn't, this isn't exactly what I want to be doing. Yeah. You know? And when I got to Chicago after a few years, I went through the same thing, like you. You know, it's like, well, I want to be, you know, I want to be in New York, or I want to be doing more or different comedy or whatever but i think i think when at the end of the the day it's i mean it is an art yeah and i think that's where it comes in with the um like we were talking about like you can do whatever you want at a mic or you can say when you're joking with other comedians like it's it's everything is means nothing really yeah there's no there's no idols or there's no nothing sacred and um i think that that's what makes it an art more than anything Mm. is that um we're doing this for no reason yeah (laughs) like (laughs) i mean because if you think about it like you know art is not in like the maslow's hierarchy of needs you know huh yeah but it is there and it like I think like in some of like Zen Buddhist teachings it's like you know like meditation is not you're not gaining anything from it yeah or you don't need to have the idea that you're gaining you might be gaining stuff from it yeah but that doesn't need to be the primary focus that was like the original concept of um you know Alan Watts talks about this mm-hmm. um the guy who wrote The Way of Zen and um you know is a kind of a spiritual thinker he used to talk about the yoga in its original incarnation was not, it was created as a system of movements, uh, at least uh, Hatha yoga, people think about, were created as a system of movements to maintain the body while meditating. Right. It comes from the process of Qigong, Eastern moving meditation, which is like Tai Chi when you're watching people do Tai Chi. That's actually just supposed to be, it's moving meditation. So you're not just supposed to be sitting there. I thought you said she gone. <laughs> she gone. She gone. Meditation. She gone. Oh, why? Oh, why? I got a battle of us. She, she gone. gone. Oh, she why? All right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is going down the rabbit hole. But the point of it was that Alan Watts is like, the mistake that people in the West make is that they think that it's supposed to do something. Right. It's not supposed to do anything. Yeah. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a waste of time. Yes, that's yeah. the whole point. And and if you have these gaining ideas, it's going to ruin the experience for you. Yeah, you know? or if you go in thinking like I'm supposed to be X Y Z. Right. I think that it's funny because com- yeah, open mics are actually in that way. I guess kind of a meditative practice. If you want to, right. If you want to, if you want to jerk ourselves off about <laughs> as comedians as open mic comics. But just like any art form. I feel like, like if you take uh, just about uh, every artist that I can think of, at the beginning, you know, they're they have this mind where they're like, huh. "I'm going to create, I'm going to do these things." 
but they're not accepted at first. Mm. And some don't even get accepted in their Ever. lifetime. Yeah. yeah, Van Gogh. Right. And then so it's because they're doing these things not for popularity or whatever. And I feel like that's why when when you write a truly perfect joke, it's going to bomb. Oh, at, man. I mean, it might work at open No, mics. it's mean I've written a lot of perfect jokes. <laughs> I, I seriously <laughs> think that you do suffer from this. Yeah, uh, because I think that you're because of your like your upbringing and everything like you you've been around a comedy scene for hundreds of years <laughs> and, since the crash of 28. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I think that you like a lot of times are not appreciated because, you know, like your stuff is is tight and it's smart uh-huh. and, you know, like. I don't know, like open mics are hit or miss no matter what you are. Yeah, for sure. But regular people, I don't I don't know how you are in shows, but like I have to slow myself down. Yeah. yeah. First of all, that's very flattering that you say that. That sound that's very uh that I feel like my I might cry on this fucking on this podcast. <laughs> but um it's funny cuz after the open mic I did last night where I was yelling I was ranting about tall people. Caitlin Chekorowski messaged me a couple of things, and she was like, that was actually really good. I just don't think that the room, like, appreciated it. Right. And she's like, there was just a lot of dudes complaining about, you know, whining about stuff before you went up. And I was like, oh, I was here the whole time, Caitlin. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so I saw all of that. But, like, uh, just to – I only say that to evidence of the fact that I guess I'm letting myself know that that's not just – you're not just, just saying that to be nice, but – I notice that with the audiences, I have to slow down with normal people. That if I talk quickly, one, I talk quickly. Mm-hmm. But two, I have to let some ideas I say just hang in space. Right. Otherwise, the crowd feels like they can get kind of exhausted by like w- w- trying to keep up with everything I'm saying. Right. Yeah, and I feel like that's. I mean, because you are you're you've you've had a lot of experiences that I feel like a lot of people haven't had and Mm. like you're that's a great thing in life you know like but as far as like being on stage like it feels like people don't appreciate you like they should i feel like i feel like and 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 this is coming off that whole life it's been my whole life (laughs) (laughs) lance let me tell you but uh i think you said it about batit before you're like if anybody's gonna make it in something it's gonna be batit because he's just you know but the same applies to you because uh, you're you're a hard worker, you're a hustler, you you and thanks, you man. and you write. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, I remember. Uh, did I say that to you? Because I was I, I think about that every once in a while because I see you know Bill and I are about to publish this book. Um, but so people people sh- you know look people shit on him all the time, uh, William Petit, and for reasons that are understandable to anyone who knows him <laughs> <laughs> or has ever met him. Is this a defense? <laughs> Let's talk about William Petit. Is he is he a piece of shit? Is he a yes? No, I'm just kidding. I don't want to say any other shit. Yeah, He's gonna listen maybe. to this and get actually offended that I'm even joking about this. But the point I was making is I would defend him to people by saying like, look, he, he, he the fact that he's ambitious it shouldn't. I don't understand why that like offends people. And like, there's a a kind of I, there's something about this in the Chicago comedy culture that I do not find in other places I've been to where that has comedy, which is like, there's this almost feeling of like, are you trying to be good? Are you trying (laughs) to make anything happen? Right. 
And I'm like, I don't understand why we're, you know what I mean? Like, this isn't a fucking, this is not a group of, you know, depressed people's anonymous. Like, we're not getting up and, like, I don't understand. Like, the fact that I want to have a, I want to reach some level of notoriety in the world of comedy and make some money such that I could continue to do it and I have projects and ambitions, it's like, I don't understand why that should bother anybody. And right. for some reason, when it comes to that guy specifically, and I think it's, I mean, if, again, for people who know him, it's like you can kind of understand why it does. He, in a weird way, right. kind of brings it about on himself. But there's a feeling of like, I just don't understand why people get offended by that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like it's it's kind of like that when people talk about like Tom Brady, you know? Yeah. Like, what is he? He's supposed to not try to win Super Bowls? Yeah. <laughs> or like they get mad at him because he they're like, oh, he wouldn't win anything if he didn't have Bill Belichick with him. It's like. Was he supposed to ask for a trade because the coach is too good? Yeah. <laughs> like, this, this doesn't make any sense. But, I mean, that's just hater culture 101. You yeah. Now, nah, what is he? If he was that, if he did those things, he'd be Peyton Manning. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I got to get out of here out of this coach's shadow. <laughs> you know, eight Super Bowls is enough. <laughs> we got to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I think you know Bill I think it he is intimidating because he's a good-looking, jacked, ripped guy. Oh yeah, people just want to hate on him because of all of it's just I think it's a reflection of things that people don't feel they can do themselves maybe. Right. But um, but I let's not talk about all this stuff. I want to get back to talking about. It. So you made the move to Chicago. And then what when did you officially do that then? April 1st, 2015. The April Fool's Day? You moved yep. to Chicago on April I figured, Fool's Day? <laughs> I thought if uh, if there is one holiday in comedy, it has to be April 1st. Oh, my God. That's funny. <laughs> so uh, now April 1st is like, you know, my Independence Day, you know. Nice. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and immediately I started doing, you know, I was amazed. I remember the first mic I did in Chicago when I lived here was Blarney Stone. Yeah. And I walked across the street. So you moved street. here two months before I did then, if, like permanently. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That makes sense because I remember you the whole time. I feel like you've been here the whole time. Yeah, pretty much. Um, And so the first mic I did was Blarney Stone and then um, Brendan Murphy was there. Yeah. You remember Brendan Murphy? Yeah, of course. Yeah, he's yeah. got he got married and now is doing all kinds of day job stuff. He's the first person I met in comedy because he was sitting at that Blarney Stone mic, and I did the old stick my hand out. Hi, I'm Lance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I went up there and did some stuff, and it went okay for a Blarney Stone Who mic. Who was hosting at that time? It was... Uh, Bobby Hill? Bobby Hill? No, no, it was Shapiro. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, it was right before Mike passed away. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I did that mic every week for a while. And uh, I actually hosted it a few times before he passed away. Yeah, which, really? Yeah, oh wow! Yeah, so I got to host with him, which was nice. He was he was super nice to me. Yeah. Um. So, uh, anyways, I walked across the street that that first night I was here, um, and uh, I said, uh, to Brendan Murphy was on a different mic across the street. That was at Underground Lounge. Yeah, and he had already signed up. Yeah, it was because you could do at that time. You could do on that Thursday, you could do the bagel mic mm -hmm. early, 
Yeah. And then you could go and do both the Underground Lounge and Blarney. Blarney. Stone. So you could yeah. do three in yeah. one in one evening. I think the most I ever had was on a Monday night, and I got five. Five? Yeah. Jesus, man. But, uh, I mean, I know there's people who have done ten in Chicago In now. a single night? Yeah. Damn. But you have to have a car. Yeah, you'd have to, which, or Uber. Which is unheard of yeah. for comedians. Yeah, right. <laughs> on a comedian's salary? A car? <laughs> Jesus, what, have you been on Netflix? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when I went over there to Underground Lounge, it was like a really funny show that Brendan was. It, it were not a funny show. It was a mic. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I think that you remember they ran the donkey show at that place. Yeah. Do you remember that? It was like an improv sketch thing or yeah, something. Yeah, but they also had stand-ups on it. Got but it. it. They, um, I had ended. I ended up doing that show a few times, but they, um, it was. It was funny, and yeah. it was fun, and I was amazed that Brendan Murphy was going to do two mics in the night. Yeah, that's so funny. The, on my very first night out in Chicago, I was like, wow, this is, people are doing two mics a night? <laughs> this is insane. This is like, you know, because in Memphis, I mean, I'm nothing against the Memphis scene. I don't really, I don't consider that home because I didn't really spend A lot of time. significant time. Yeah. Same thing, kind of a little bit with me in Detroit comedy and yeah. a little bit with me in like Boulder, Denver comedy. Right. It's this, it just, it, you couldn't grind the way that you can here. Right. And yeah. y- y- you can in, in Paris, you could kind of, there was enough shows that you could get on so that you could like, you would be doing shows. There was like almost no open mics. But you could do enough shows that it felt like you were like doing something. Because like you can have a couple of shows a week in in Chicago, and it feels like you did a lot. Yeah. Like, but yeah, that's it's just nuts, man. That you can you could you cannot do. People in uh, non primary markets, I think, don't understand. New York is very similar. You can go out and do you can hit up like eight. Yeah. Open mics in a fucking evening, man. Right. And some of those, yeah, are paid. Yeah. Did you, did you do a lot of those paid mics? Where you had to pay to get up? Yeah. Yeah, I did a few of them. And they're useless. I mean, it's right. it's as useless as any other open mic. The the only thing that, I mean, a lot of them have, you can pay five bucks or you can buy a drink. Oh, um, really? Yeah. And, or they're like, they're, they're, you know, five bucks or two bucks or whatever they cost. And it's mostly to cover the cost of the guy hosting. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them are the same where like in New York, there's just so many that like, it's like in Chicago where you'll go to one mic You'll get up. You'll sign up. You get up on stage. Let's say you'll wait like four comics or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then you get up on stage. You do your set. You might wait one or two comics because you know you got to go to this other mic. So yeah. then you leave. But in New York, it's like you get up, you do your set, you leave immediately to go to the next. Well, because that, you uh, don't know anybody there, and you'll never see them again. Probably. I feel like this mic in, um, I guess it's uh, off Second Laughing Buddha. My, if you heard of that? Oh yeah, 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 yeah definitely. And I think it has a bad reputation to, in in New York. New York, yeah, it does yeah. because it's a it's a fucking fa- it's the second city of like, um, it's like New York, it's the New York stand up comedy equivalent of like Second City, where it's like we got comedy classes and you can pay to get up and they right, have a whole right. fucking stupid system yeah. and like. But I did like going there because you could, uh, you paid five dollars, of course, but you you would uh, you would go up. And you were you could watch the entire thing and it lasted exactly an hour. Yeah, and you could actually like Laura, my girlfriend, came a few times. Like when I was there the whole month of November last year. Got it. And um, so she she came up and visited, and um, 
it's it's easy to say, hey, I'm I'm on this open mic, but here's the deal. It's only going to last an hour. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's like an yeah. actual kind of show-ish. Yeah, and even if it is a shit show, you're like, well, it's only an hour. Yeah. You get, in, you get involved in the situation at a normal mic, you could be there, like, if you get in the wrong seat or something and you don't want to leave because, yeah. you know, everybody's looking at you, you don't look like an asshole. Are you and... thinking of that one corner at Patsy's where you're in the... Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you get wedged into that. Man. Oh, yeah, it's just awful. It's like a three, four zone trap. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, like, it's funny to talk about what Chicago scene was like even only a few years ago because... It was different. Like, it was a different... Because there was this old guard of dudes who had all been doing comedy that were right before our class, like mm-hmm. you're in mine. And Dave Metz was an, a member of that class. Yeah. And I was kind of a... I don't I want to say, like, I was the runty little brother of that class or something. Because that had, like, Blake Burkhart mm-hmm. and Bobby Condon and, um, you know, Matthias and, like, Joe uh, McMahon. McMahon. Yeah. And... Um, you know, I had a lot of those guys and uh, and all the same dudes who were at, you know, Dave's um Dave's funeral, unfortunately. Yeah. But it, those all of those guys, I kind of knew them, but I didn't really like run with that crowd, mm-hmm. although I really liked them and respected them. I just we kind of had a I just feel like I wasn't also didn't really share that sense of humor that those guys had. Yeah. But that was like a really tight knit group of. Dudes. Yeah, it was. And then there was like our class. And for a while. For the better part of about a year, I would say, our class of people was also pretty tight knit. Like there was a, and you saw the same people, kind of no matter where you went, but you saw very similar people. And that was like when um, Noah Rockland and uh, Terrence Hartnett, yeah. you, um, I'm thinking Dan Muller, um, or I mean Muller, Dan Muller. I think he just calls his fans Mullervores. Anyway. Yeah, I feel like Aaron McDavis and Nick DeLowey and Bowman yeah. are all in our class. All that yeah. group. Yeah, all those dudes. And um, and it's funny because you saw those guys pretty much all over the place. And I think specifically of Patsy's, this was all just came to mind because we used to go to Patsy's on Fridays. And it was like, it was packed with like comics who you you'd see them working on stuff all week and then you go to Patsy's and everybody would just hang out. Everybody knew each other. Yeah. Everybody was talking a lot. People would get up on stage. You'd shut up. You'd watch them. And it was always Will Petit who would start because he's been there for three hours waiting to get on stage. Right. And then, um, <laughs> Noah, Noah Gutierrez. Yeah. <laughs> Will Petit, Chicago's first comedian. <laughs> <laughs> but like something happened over the prevailing few years. Cause like the class after ours is the one that like Jeff Asmus is in and Toller Wolf and Jenna Gephardt and like all of those guys moved out here. Well, I think who was, what do you consider Batiste's class and Clay Hurlbutton? I think that was a half step maybe after ours. Okay. If that makes sense. They're like a B sharp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they, they, yeah, that's a good point. They were kind of a after, slightly after ours. Because like they did, step. we did run through that wave where yeah. we were, we were like, we were there be- shit. before them. And then they all started, and Jake West used to always call them the Batiters, which I think is just hilarious. <laughs> I think that's West so funny. Great. And uh, and then and then there was, uh, but after that is when like the Jeff Asmus and all those people showed up. But all of that group, like over those three different classes, kind of became one sort of like nebula of like you just saw those people everywhere talk to them all the time but then right after that is like when i no longer was in touch with like people who were coming in 
Right. And now there's like all these comedians who are around who like I've never I don't know and I don't know if there's a group of them or a community of them. Yeah. Like I the like I don't I don't have no idea. And even Skylar Higley, uh, who just got back from the New York Comedy Festival, was talking. Uh, we were talking recently, and he was like, "I just don't feel like it." was he's like, "When I first started, you guys were still like a tight, pretty tight group. Just all this, you know, people I was just talking about." He's like, "I don't really feel like that's the same now." Yeah, and I don't know how that happened, but it's very interesting that like, and maybe it's just too, maybe just more comedians or too many comedians or something. Yeah, it is. I went to Patsy's the other night, and you know Noah doesn't do that anymore. Oh, he doesn't? No. Oh, that's news to me. Yeah, so he, there's a different guy doing it, which the guy's the guy's fine. He's good or whatever. Uh, sure. I, he hasn't done many sets. That I've only been there twice. I went this last Friday and uh, Sunday. Yeah. And I didn't know. I knew only one person in Patsy's. Uh, and that was Mark Lavelle was there because he hosts the mic just down. I fucking oh yeah, I gotta go to that. That's the he hosts at the river, I think. Yeah, or, or yeah, or Grand What's, River. Yeah, or Grand. Yeah, Grand whatever. Rapids River or something. Yeah. <laughs> Grand River. Yeah, he um, I uh, that's so funny. I fucking love Mark Lavelle so much. He's so great. Um, yeah, but that's yeah. It's just funny how there's a lot of because a lot of those people have moved off, man. Either they've quit comedy. I think yeah. some of them. Or, but y- in that early day, I felt that tight knitness of our class, yeah, and, and whatever. I don't think we were ever as tight as the one before us. No, but uh, I think maybe it still exists. We just don't see it because I feel like I don't see it because I don't host Patsy's anymore. And uh. for some reason, new comics are attracted to Patsy's. I guess because it's a small room. Yeah, uh, it's it's just. I don't know if it's like the position on that website or something that it's in, but people are like, I'm going to that. That's this so funny. F- people are like, I'm either going to Patsy's or I'm going to Laugh Factory or uh, Second City's open mic because I'm making it today. That's so funny, man. Well, Patsy's is not like that, but for whatever reason, it's it's like low pressure. Yeah, it's know? like a low. It's funny. I went to Three Dead Moose the other day that Shannon Knoll hosts now, uh-huh. and um, I I knew Mike Myers was there. Yeah. Uh, and Shannon, of course. And then I think there was who was this other person who I knew there? Uh, Yoni Heisler. I love Yoni. Yeah, he's wonderful. Um, he's so fucking funny. He's great joke. I writer. love Mike Myers too. Yeah, me and too. And Shannon Noel. Me too. And I, but it, what's funny is like I know I don't really know Yoni that much. He started after like a while after, but he's just such a great joke writer and grinds and so just everything. Good. He's so good. But. Aside from those four people, I didn't know a single other person in that entire, mm. like a couple of those people you see just by exposure. Like <coughs> I saw Ahmad a bunch of times, and that w- he was very funny when he got up. But like, I-, I just don't, you know. And it's funny, like even when I go to the Laugh Factory now and hang out, I'm like, dude, I don't know any of these. I don't right. know most of these people. Yeah, like it's just interesting to see kind of how that happens, and everybody just kind of moves on. Yeah, it's funny too. Like the there's there's the same positions. No matter where you go, oh yeah, like there's the guy that's that doesn't talk to anybody. <laughs> there's the there's the guy that uh, you know is like really overly nice, and then like there's the guy that's not funny, but he's really grinding hard, and you're like rooting for him. <laughs> yeah, there's, that, the, there's that was Clay Hurlbut for years, by right. the way. I haven't seen him in forever. Well, he's been doing so. This is I know this is like super in the weeds for everybody who's not a Chicago comic. Maybe this will, will be an interesting 
uh, episode to see who. I'm sure li- who everybody knows who it. Clay Hurlbut is. Yeah, I know, right? He's famous. Uh, <laughs> he's famous. He's a guy asking you for change. Um, <laughs> so, so Clay, so Clay started doing uh, stand up on the L. And I heard that. So he was, and he really does, because I he would tell me about it, and I'm like, "Are you fucking serious? There's no way you do that." And then I got on the L one day, months later, and he got on in the same car that I was in, and he started doing stand up. And what was crazy about it is he saw me and he just kind of waved and then he just started doing it. And I was like, if it was me and I saw a person I knew, I don't know if I could have done right. that. Yeah. And he just like went with it and um, he got some laughs and like he just does that in like public places now. Like he was in New York and just did it in Washington Square Park. Just was like, fuck it. I'm just going to do this right here. Acapella. No mic. Nothing. Whoa. Yeah. There is a. I I respect that a lot. Well, he's it's changed. He's really funny to watch on stage now, and I think that a lot of it comes with that. He just doesn't give a shit what the audience is gonna do, right? And I have a lot of respect for it. I've never done it. I'm gonna start doing it. I'm in December, end of this month. I'm starting to do it. I'm gonna do it every day for really until the end of the year and probably beyond. Just like a public performance. Yeah, because I just have never done it, and I feel like you know what's life about if not running straight at the things you're afraid to do so yeah that's true yeah yeah i think there is a book like the resistance is or something uh, Stephen, is the way. uh it's by Stephen pressfield uh the war of art he talks about fighting resistance you gotta go right I at have, it i have read that but i can't remember oh turning pro his other book <laughs> We'll we'll put it in the, uh, the show comment notes section. Like or Jamie, Jamie, go look that up. Throw it on the screen, <laughs> Jamie. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't. I'm not to that point where I feel like because I would be down for the challenge. Yeah, you know, but I don't feel like I want to do that in any way. Like that's just not for me. Yeah. You know? uh, but I respect the hell out of it. You know. Yeah. I, I think that's a really uh, a really ambitious thing to do. Uh, I, I want to get. I, I guess my goal is is just to be a good joke writer. As far as I want to be funny to regular people, yeah. you know, and then until I build my audience, and then I'll just start being very selfish. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're a great joke writer, and I think you're you're a really great deliverer. You have a couple of jokes that I think are so well written. There's two that I remember all the time, and I hope it's not giving away the game by saying I'm on the podcast, but one is that you guys had me do comedy tub after I got back from Edinburgh and you did a joke and it was like November, I want to say, or like December, early December of 2017. And you got up and you were like, um, uh, you know, these are the days we all know about the happy Honda days. (laughs) (laughs) And you do this whole, and then like it goes away and then you come back and you're like, but I was all, all I could talk about was how amazing these, (laughs) <laughs> deals were at the happy honda days <laughs> like he yeah. just went right back to it yeah and it was so funny because there's a lot of times when i've been at shows in chicago uh and this was one of them where i remember thinking it's so sad that there are not this joke is so much better than this room and not that you guys run a bad room you run a great room at the comedy tub right but i just was like this is so much funnier than <laughs> like this like this needs a way bigger audience right, for how right. funny this is and like that was hilarious. And then the other one that I just cannot and it's coming back now because it's like, you know, the other election is coming up as you're like, yeah, Bernie Sanders is a socialist. <laughs> I don't really consider myself a socialist. I'm more of an introvert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that fucking 
I told that to my uncle who's died in the wool Republican and he <laughs> spit his drink out laughing. <laughs> he was just like, that's so funny. <laughs> that makes me happy when, when you can tell a, a Republican or a liberal that joke. That's, that's what I do like about that joke. Is yeah. It's silliness overcomes its political implication. Oh yeah. It's fucking ridiculous. That joke is so funny because it's like, of course. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh uh, my god, man! <laughs> and and that's where I want, the, like those jokes. I, I appreciate it a lot, and like because of your comedy knowledge, like it means a lot coming from you. But the um, but that's where I want to be as a writer. Like where the the jokes I say, like if they do have any type of political mention in it, it's it's not that like I don't I don't want Trump to win or whatever. But at the same time, it's like. If if they're a, almost fifty percent of the country, yeah, uh, not quite, but almost fifty percent of the country voted for him. Yeah, so it's like, um, or fifty percent of voters, yeah, who uh, people who yeah. voted in the last election, right? Um, so like, I don't want to because I go back to to the South and do comedy, you know, every now and then, and it's like. What am I just gonna like block out, like rewrite my whole routine? Oh yeah, because there's somebody who thinks differently than me. Well, I mean, as soon as you get outside of the city of Chicago, like the right the cultural, there's just changes. Yeah, as and soon then, as you pay that first toll, yeah. you're out of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just very much is like it's very different, even amongst liberal communities, like outside of the city of Chicago. It's oh just yeah, something. people are just like this is a unique, I think Chicago is, I mean, even in New York, it's not this bad. No. And that's what surprised me. The first time I went to New York ever, uh, which was 2016, I was thinking they were going to be. Yeah. Way liberal, way liberal. And they're not. No. And I think, I think, uh, I mean, they are pretty liberal, but they just, there's a weird sensitivity that for some reason, and I think it's because Chicago is uniquely segregated. And has been for a mm-hmm. long time. Right. Um, that there is a sensitivity that the only other place that feels like it a lot, honestly, is Boulder, Colorado. Oh, really? When I do comedy and did comedy in Boulder, you can feel like the odd, and it's really fucked up because it's like the north side of Chicago is pretty homogenous. It's all white people. Mm-hmm. And the same thing is true in Boulder, Colorado. It's just all white people. So right, it's right. weird but because I think of the because of that reason they have this weird extra sensitivity to being perceived as like like they don't have black people around or brown people or any they mm-hmm. have no other minorities around to make them feel like everything is okay. Right. And I think a lot of comics with the they they you've seen them have meltdowns on stage because uh. because they're like this this joke worked in front of an all black audience. Yeah, this and, is you're like taking the words out of my mouth. Right, I feel like I've said that shit where I've been like I said this in front of an all black audience in Detroit and it worked. Yeah, and now I'm in front of, you know, all white people or like all white people and like one one black guy who's actually smiling at me right now. Yeah, and and y'all are being just like overly sensitive. Yeah, it's weird. Well, the thing that I, uh, w- the thing that weirds me out about this, Lance, is that I've and I've said this on the again on the podcast so many times. The audience probably doesn't even give a shit anymore. But there's I don't understand because there's this idea of like I can appreciate that you don't you might not want to laugh because you're afraid that someone else is gonna see, see 
see you laughing and that's going to be weird for you or something. But there's a part of me that almost feels like you, you guys should not react in this really negative way because unless you think I'm an actual like misogynist or an mm-hmm. actual racist or an actual insert whatever thing that might be because there's like even treading into I was just saying this to my uncle stand-up comedian today I was talking I had a conversation with him where I do this bit about uh, I knew that Trump was going to get elected and the point here's just the 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 parts of the bit you need to know the joke I think you may have heard this before is the joke is like I knew that Trump was going to get elected because I was at the Pride Festival in Chicago and I heard somebody say there are too many n-words in Lakeview today and I was like holy shit because it wasn't but here's the problem that's exactly what I heard them say they didn't use the word the term n-word refers to they use the term n-word yeah (laughs) so I said it wasn't until that moment that I was like holy shit you can be racist and politically correct at the same time (laughs) and like yeah, that idea I think is so funny, but there are audiences who pull, who they get off the ride when they hear, right. you said N word. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't say the N word. You just said the term N word. Right. That alone, we're like, we don't want to be on board with this. And I'm like, really, it doesn't matter where this is going. Like, it's gonna end up in a place that you and I are gonna agree. I think. But yeah. It just they were is... probably mad that you were at the pride parade. <laughs> They're homophobic, actually. <laughs> Now you understand something. We we love black people, <laughs> but we hate gays. <laughs> That's so funny. A <laughs> uh, a I, I, uh, I continue to write jokes about gay marriage, which is like a, a, a is it, issue are you, that discussion is, is over. <laughs> yeah, the discussion like, has been concluded. Like still coming up with good jokes to say about it. You should write some uh, jokes about the Clinton impeachment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Monica Lewinsky and uh, and and Lorena Bobbitt while you're at it. Why not? <laughs> you should just get up on stage, get a huge sport coat with like really wide, huge shoulders, <laughs> and then get up on stage and do a whole joke. There's a whole set of you talking about '90s like things. Yeah. About, what else is in the news? Oh man, have you seen uh, Clinton? They're impeaching him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that would be great. I think that's pretty much my routine already, except for the jacket. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> all right, man, I gotta get, I gotta get going. I gotta get back to work and shit here. We've hit time. Lance, where can people follow you, man? Where can people find your find your shit? At Lancey Joe, L A N C E Y, J O E. At Lancey Joe on yeah. Instagram, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Twitter, TikTok. <laughs> I've got Grindr. some TikTok jokes. <laughs> Uh, the only one I have about TikTok is I just get up on stage and I go, "What the fuck is TikTok?" Yeah, mine involves that too. Because <laughs> I'm like, the only thing I know is if you want to have sex with 14 year olds, that's where you go. I said, uh, "That's that's good, that's good." Yeah, because I did that at a show, and then the follow up is I'm like, I did that at a show once, and a guy came up to me after the show, uh, and um, and started telling me, "Well, it's actually this video chatting app. It's all this," and I was like, "100 percent, that guy's a pedophile." Oh yeah, was like no way. You remember Dave Metz's uh, bit about the the Girl Scout cookies? Uh, it there's like a you could download the Girl Scout app and, <laughs> and you could find, find out find you could out find where, where, where yeah. a Girl Scout is near you. He's like, "What is this app for pedophiles?" <laughs> yes. So good. What is this app for pedophiles? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Atlantic Joe on all on all things. I. It, I own the right. Well, actually, Walt Disney Corporation owns the rights to my name, but 
that's where you find me. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, and then Comedy Tub. When is when's Comedy Tub? Comedy Tub's every Thursday at Chicago Joe's on Irving Park Road. Right at Irving Park in Western, conveniently located for every, all points of Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, dude, thank you so much for being on the pod, man. Yeah. Take it easy, Thanks buddy. Thanks for having me. Meanwhile, the madness continues.